At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Hello and welcome to Long Shots. It is the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am edition. It is Matt Brown. It is Kelly Bidlin. It is your boy Wes Reynolds and we are going to run through all of our bets that we have on our card a little bit later are going to give you a look into the DP World Tour as well. Wes is the king, the master, the absolute stud when it comes to the DP World Tour. So we'll be sure and get you some of his thoughts on those as well. We'll give you some one and done thoughts. And of course, we'll give you our placement market thoughts as well. But boys, uh, very, very quickly. Well done last week. Kick things off with an outright winner. Hopefully we can keep things running yes hopefully we can keep things going here on the podcast Wes you have an awesome article up on vison.com kind of previewing this tournament kind of a wonky one another three course rotation and all of that but can you give us just a a quick rundown of of the tournament in general and and, in these courses yeah it is kind of unfortunate that it's put in a really difficult portion of the schedule being that it's right after the farmers and then right before the waste management phoenix open which of course uh, is super bowl weekend and then you get the elevated event 
at the Genesis Invitational. So the field quality over the last few years has really taken a hit at Pebble Beach. I think we have just seven of the top 50 in the OWGR here this week. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, uh, the uh, three kind of quasi co-favorites, very little separating them in price. Obviously, this event has been going since 1937. It was the Bing Crosby National Pro-Am. Anybody that's ever watched this knows that there's a celebrity pro-am portion to this event where uh, everybody is partnered with an amateur through the first three rounds. They play three different courses, Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, and then Monterey Peninsula. And then the Sunday cut for not only the pros, but the pro-am teams comes after Saturday. So uh, I think it's 60 pros plus the 25 low pro-am teams on Sunday. People that have watched this have seen Clint Eastwood, the longtime event organizer is the Monterey Peninsula Foundation, is who benefits from this event, which Clint Eastwood, of course, is the chairman of, living up there at Pebble Beach. So that's basically what you get. And I think wonky was the right word that you used, Matt, in terms of how this format is, you know, with three different courses. So not everybody plays the same rotation. Some will start on Pebble on Thursday. Some will start at Spyglass. Some will start at Monterey Peninsula. All the courses are basically the same length with maybe about 100 yards separating them, all par 72s, but all relatively on the short side, about 7,000 yards on average. Guys, you can head over to vcin.com and get Wes's full breakdown of all three of the courses. And again, it's just one of those deals where it's the last time we have to worry about this this season, Kelly. So mm-hmm. I, for one, am super happy about that. I mean, it's tough for us because we only have shot link data on Pebble. We don't have it for Spyglass. We don't have it for Monterey. So we're not going to get that. So in-tournament betting becomes really tough for us as well, trying to get back and look at you know, past history in this tournament. Of course, we can kind of estimate the guys that have done well here, but, of you know, again, not having the, the data from a couple of the courses makes this just a little bit different of a handicap. And like I said, one that I'm glad to go ahead and get behind us here early on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sick of this multiple course rotation crap, and then we're going to get, you, you know, it, this is another one where, what, you know, we might have wins come into play too, which are, you know, difficult for Difficult to uh, factor into your handicapping. I know we discussed that a little bit last week on the show. Uh, I just love talking golf with Wes Reynolds because I learned something fascinating uh, every time. I mean, I didn't know there was this massive Clint Eastwood connection here. Now I know. Now I know. (laughs) There you you go. See? That's why why he still goes in the booth. Obviously, Clint, you know, being getting close, I think in his late eighties, doesn't play anymore in this event, but uh, always up there with Jim Nance and uh, company. And now Trevor Immelman as the new CBS analyst uh, on Sunday. So guys, uh, everything we do here, you can get by subscribing. And of course, if you want to leave us a rating and a review, we would also appreciate that helps us climb up little charts and things like that. More people can find this here podcast. And so if you don't mind taking a hit that little pause button, grow down a little subscribe rate review, do appreciate that as we try to grow long shots into something even bigger than it already is. So let's look at this rundown here, fellas. It is a Look, let's just call call it what it is. It's a pretty weak field. I mean, it is a, a it's a fairly weak field when Matt Fitzpatrick is your odds on leader here at eleven to one. Vic Hovland at twelve, Jordan Spieth at twelve. We're getting Maverick McNeely, a guy that we are typically looking at playing in the forties and fifties and stuff, is at eighteen to one at DraftKings right now. A super super popular bet right now amongst the the golf Knicks out there. Seamus Power, another massively popular 
bet this week. He's at 19 to one. Tom Hoagie at 22, Andrew Putnam at 25, and everybody else kind of goes into the 35 and, and, and longer. So guys, if we get into the odds board, I don't know how, you know, for me, it's very tough for me to pull the trigger on anybody kind of in the top of the odds board, specifically when it's like Fitzpatrick and Hovland and Spieth and stuff like that. It's such short numbers when the tournament is so random, right? I mean, Wes, when we think about how this thing could play out, I mean, three different courses, it is their coastal court. The the weather can change. The wind can change. It's going to be these six hour rounds, who you get paired up with, who you get behind can change how you're, how these guys play and all this stuff like that. And so for me personally, it's very hard for me to pull the trigger on one of these short shots because it's just so inc- I think the range of outcomes is so wide. Yeah, it absolutely is. In recent history, I think Matt will indicate that because basically what you've seen uh, and and in my column at Beeson.com, I compiled the recent history and the winners of this event. Tom Hoagie, who I believe both of us hit last year at around mm-hmm. 60 to one, was kind of an outlier because he was an actual mid-range guy. Because mm-hmm. if you look at who wins this event, it's either a really short price or a real bomb down the board. Like you look at some of the short prices, Daniel Berger in 2021, 18 to one, Jordan Spieth in 2017, nine to one. Brant Snedeker has won this at 14 and one. Phil Mickelson was around 25 to one, both in 2012 and 2019. DJ in 2010, 22 to one. But then you look at some of the bombs that have won. Nick Taylor went gate to wire in 2020, 160 to one. Ted Potter Jr. won this thing at 500 to one in 2018. Vaughn Taylor, 300 to one in 2016. So that's really, you don't really get a lot of guys in the mid range. Mm -hmm. It's either a short price guy or guys way down the board in triple digits. So if we take a look here in the mid-range, some of these guys that, you know, again, are typically much longer. And, and Kelly, these are guys yeah. that you and I have have played at some point along the way. I mean, you know, Keith Mitchell, a guy that mm-hmm. we've played in various tournaments, but he's typically in that 70, 80-ish range. He's sitting 35 at DraftKings right now. Denny McCarthy at 35. Some of these other guys, again, that you'll hear us play throughout the course of the season because the odds are are a little bit longer on them, but man, you know, you look a Pendrith at 50 and, and all these, it's, there's just, it's kind of tough here this week. I was looking, you know, trying to find some, some value. I think I found a couple of guys that I kind of like in the mid range, but okay. I, I do want to, I do want to let everyone know these are guys that we will typically be playing at much, much longer odds as we move forward. Yeah, that was the, uh, I, 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 you know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday when we did the quick little podcast last mm-hmm. night, but yeah, I, I think the mid-range, kind of like last week, I, I you know, this was my opinion last week mm-hmm. on the mid-range before you two ended up hitting outrights on Max Homa. And clearly, I should have... <laughs> well, uh, well, Matt did. I did not. I had Well, you weren't on him too, Wes. I'll tell you No, no, too. I cannot take credit. I would certainly love to, but... Yeah, man. I, well, I thought there was... I thought the value was kind of was kind of sucked away from that mid-range because of the ROM shortened odds. I thought those those odds should have been boosted a little bit further mm-hmm. up. Um and yeah, right right now, Matt, you look at that range, and I think there's some guys that I'm sort of interested in, and we'll get into you know our models and, and what popped out to us and stuff. But you know, it's uh, <laughs> like an Andrew Putnam, a good example of a guy that uh, you know I brought up yesterday when we were we were talking. I know Wes has a matchup against him, so this might get interesting uh, as we go on yeah. later in the show here. Uh, but you know, he was a guy I really liked this week. Actually, I, I do I do really like him this week, but at you know, shop around prices here in Vegas. Oh, you, you know, I know we'll stick to DraftKings 12, 12 to 1 on Jordan Spieth mm-hmm. uh, at DraftKings, Putnam 25 to 1. But shop around prices here in Vegas, I think the best I could find on Putnam was 24 
Uh, and then Spieth was, I think I saw 14 or 16 over at Circa. So then it gets to the point of, you know, we talked about it with some of the win equity stuff yesterday, just going back to Max Homa, but it's, I don't know. I don't, I, I just don't know. I can pull the trigger on a guy in an outright like Andrew Putnam when there's a Jordan Spieth out there with what he's done on this course at odds that, you know, are, you know, 16 to one compared to 24 to one. So I, I, I think you're, yeah. I think the initial take is pretty sound of like, look, I don't, I'm not going to hate anybody who wants to go out there and bet one of those three guys at the top of the board. If you're not going to go there though, I think you do just need to look at some of the longer shots and you know, Hey, do that. And then, you know, save some cash for next week because we got a great golf tournament next week. Wes, let's get into these stats that matter here and how we went ahead and set up our models this week. What were the stats that you were looking at and how did you go about weighting your model? Well, we'll go with the uh, mainstay and that strokes gained mm-hmm. approach. Uh, the average winners over the last seven Pebble Beach Pro-Ams rated eighth in the field during their winning weeks for approach. Uh, Hoagie was fourth last year, Berger sixth the year before. So I did use approach. Uh, I also use because these courses are all around 7,000 yards. Actually, two of them are less than 7,000 yards. That's Monterey Peninsula and Pebble Beach. So you don't have to bomb it off the tee necessarily to win here, nor do you have to hit every fairway as the rough's not really all that penal, but second shot golf courses, I do think, you know, you can still gain off the tee. So good drives gain, which does incorporate a little bit of approach play as well. I use that. I also use strokes gained around the green, mainly for Pebble Beach, of which you're going to play two of the four rounds at Pebble Beach, 3,500 square feet on average. These are the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. Spyglass Hill, not much bigger, even though they're about 5,000 square feet on average. That's the sixth smallest. And then Monterey Peninsula, while much larger, still smaller in the tour average. So green's tougher to hit. So strokes gained around the green, I think extra importance. If you look at all three of these courses too, each of these three courses have three par fours that measure 350 to 400 yards. So you club down off the tee, leave the driver in the bag, maybe hit, you know, a hybrid or hit, hit an iron you're going to have a lot of approach shots that are wedges from 100 to 125. So proximity gain from that distance. Also strokes gain par four, 350 to 400, what I used. And then this is the first event where you're going to get POA throughout the entire tournament. Because remember last week you had some bent grass over there on the north course at Torrey Pines. So strokes gain putting on POA especially is something I absolutely looked at. Those are what I mainly weighed at, but I also looked a little bit at birdie or better and then strokes gain total. I think you could use that of courses of less than 7,200 yards as you have all three around 7,000 yards. So those made a lot of sense to me. Kelly, as you were putting your stuff together, where did you end up in your model? Yeah, a lot of the same stuff Wes mentioned. I I built out a a few different kind of models with this where – Look, I think this is a tournament you need to look at putting, you know, where we don't really focus on that usually as much. Um, but, you know, I, you're you're not going to – things aren't going to matter off the tee here as much, although I love what Wes did say there about the good, the good drives gain. I do think that's uh, that's a good thing to factor in at, which I didn't in my model, but it's something I might go back and add and kind of relook at some things a little bit. Um, so, yeah, heavy on approach. Uh, strokes gained around the green, like Wes brought up, I think is going to be, you know, crucially important mm-hmm. this week on all these courses. Um, and then and for, these are for all of my models. These are the, the stats I really looked at. Strokes gained around the green, then did a little bit of greens and regulations gained and opportunities gained. Just want to make sure that, 
you know, round the greens to kind of co- to kind of cover your ass over the you know over the full week, right? These guys might have to make up some shots, but ideally, if these guys are sitting on the green with an opportunity to get a birdie putt out of it, that's what we're looking for. Uh, and obviously, we're looking for that always. But um, you know, I think that's important this week to be hitting the greens on these small greens. So as much as you can of that. Um, factored that in, and then par four is three fifty to four hundred. I did do strokes gained par five a bit, just because it is par seventy two. You got par uh, four par fives, mm-hmm. um, you know, on on all what every single one of these courses. So I think if you're going to make up some ground, you're going to have to do it on the par fives. Um, I did factor that in the proximity uh, range that Wes mentioned, one hundred one hundred twenty five yards. That's what I looked at as well. Um, Diddle, and then three putt avoidance factored that in there with the smaller greens. You don't want anybody going out and three putt, and that's bad. Um, and Brett birdies are better gained. Uh, those were kind of everything that I, fact, I, I factored into every model I ran. Yeah. But then I definitely like like Wes brought up. I ran in a ran another just heavy kind of putting putting model and focused in on more POA uh, specialists and stuff like that as well. And then just you know cr- tried to cross reference everything and see what stuck out together and uh, you know who kind of popped on everything. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of in the same range. Like I, so I did though try to zig a little bit where I think other people are are, are zagging here. I, I it feels like to me. I don't, I don't know if you guys have kind of like listened to anything. Feels like there's a lot of group think this week. Like uh, it seems like a lot of people are on the same guys, and I try when that is what's going on to see if I can figure out a different way to go at stuff and. I have some guys that I still think are probably going to be be popular, and even with the the zigging and zagging, wasn't able to really get to a, a, a couple of different names. But I went like, look, super super heavy on approach, twenty five percent. I obviously didn't take driving distance into account whatsoever um, yep. at all. Uh, I did super heavy around the green, fifteen percent, fifteen percent from one hundred to one hundred twenty five yards, and then another. 15% from a hundred to a uh, 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 hundred to one hundred and twenty a uh, hundred and the 75 to 100 than the 100 to 125. So uh, good drives. I did the par par fives as well. I did opportunities gained. I did greens in regulation, which yeah. is I haven't a lot of people doing that this week because, again, with the small greens, I did want to see, like, these people that are hitting these things at a little bit higher of a clip. Yeah, I did so, I did it too, Matt. I, I think yeah. me and you rarely ever factor that one in in, in our yeah. models. And I, I had the same thought process this week. And so I did go about it kind of in that direction to see what, you know, we would come up with. I do run a model at another, at, at, at a couple of different other, like I said, I'm running three different models this year. And so like I did run another where I did all the, the, the weighted on the stuff that I talked about. I also added in just the, the uh, little bit of strokes gained at Pebble Beach, just to see the people that have had success typically, typically at the course that is going to get two of the rounds. I also factored in short courses and in the easy scoring conditions as well, because I expect this to play kind of in, if we look historically at the scoring, right, it's going to be in that 17, 18, 19, 20-ish range or something like that, and we know all the courses are short. So did go with all of that and kind of spit out some of these, you know, some of these names that we're, we're kind of talking about. So let's talk about some some common names that I think that'll probably show up. I mean, guys, you can kind of shake your head at me if right. I mean, Jordan Spieth at the top of pretty much all of like the versions of everything. I mean, at least in the top five, I assume in all of everyone's models. Yes. No, he was up there. Uh, but yeah. I, he, w- he was up there, but I he not top five in everything I ran. Yeah. Mm. N- not, not necessarily for me either. Yeah. 
Um, so Actually, that's, I'll, I'll just say none of yeah. those three guys, none, none of those top three guys landed yeah. top five in so any I of my models. Yeah, so I wasn't going to play them anyway, right? right. And I wasn't going to play them anyway. The other thing is, it's like, look, Fitzpatrick to me, and Wes, I think you and I have had this conversation before, but I like to play Fitzpatrick on courses that are more of like a grind. Like he's yes. a grinder yes. and he's like whatever. Like I don't, these ones were like, it's going to probably go to 19, 20 under. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially at these odds, like it's just right. not, it's places just not like, anything. Yeah. Places like the Honda classic. If you were yeah. to play in that where the winning score is going to be like 10 under or 11 under yeah. or like what he did obviously last year at the U S open at Brookline. But yeah, when I was looking at these three favorites, it's like, okay, if you got to take one of the three, I know Spieth has won here before in terms of this event, but Victor Hovland, let's not forget, does have a win on this course when he won the U S amateur uh, as well. So Hovland of those three, if I liked any of the chalks, which I don't, yeah, that would be the way I would go. That's interesting so, to me because his around the green play concerns me here. But 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 you said he's got a win here. He's got a win here. I mean, I can't deny that, right? He does have a win here. Yeah, it's the same with me, Kelly. Like I I was so worried about like you know if he's not hitting these. Gre- I mean, don't get me wrong, he's so fantastic with the irons. But if for whatever reason the irons are just a tiny bit off, yeah, he could fall apart. Yeah, I think he's just buried. So kind of the same deal. What were the names that kept popping up for you? And then what were some of the surprise names for you? <laughs> okay, I'll go first, I guess. How about, uh, okay, basic model. I'll just say, I'll, I'll look at my last 24 uh, round one because, you know, I, I, I did last 12, last 24, last 36, last 24 kind of in the middle. How about this fantastic top five? Alex Smalley, Ben Griffin, David Lipsky, Callum Terran, Matthew Neesmith. Mm-hmm. David just, Lipsky uh, was top five in a lot of mine as well. Just star yeah. power there. I mean, come on. No, well, I mean, listen, I think we're kind of all looking to embrace a little bit of variance this week. And certainly with the way that we, we set up these models, Wes, what about you? What were some names that were just consistently kind of showing up no matter what you did? Well, Lipsky, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of the ones you guys have already mentioned, Ben Griffin, Alex Smalley, but also a little bit of Robbie Shelton. And maybe this is in my more recency stuff, like the last 24 rounds, because several of these guys have played well somewhere this year. Like Lipsky was obviously right there at the Sony open at Wiley. Robbie Shelton was in the top 10 at the Amex a a couple weeks ago. So he showed up a lot. Uh, I saw a little bit of Justin Sue. I know there are people that do like him this week at around triple digits. So those guys showed up. Russell Knox, whenever you weren't run like approach yeah. heavy stuff, is always going to show yep. up. He is yep. always there. That's a guy I bet constantly, yeah. you know, it's kind of a longer bomb that never really gets there for yep. me. He hadn't so, won in several years. So, so this is, it's funny you bring that up because so I could probably win. I could probably bet outrights on Knox for the next three tournaments. He could win all three, and I might get back to even on him over the course of over the course <laughs> That's of so like, true. Like, like I have bet this guy so many freaking times, and like whatever, it's like I might get back to even if he wins the next three tournaments that that, well, he, that he plays. Like it's, he's it's eight, for- by the way, in that model that I run, it has all the weighted stuff and all that. He's eighth overall. I mean, seriously, he's yeah. eighth overall, which should trigger a bet for me, but I'm so gun shy, like I I, I can't I can't. Go. 
No, he's uh, no. I'm right there with you guys. Uh, and uh, look, I uh, you know I don't want to spoil later, but he actually did trigger a bet for me. But yeah. the, uh, at those long shot odds, and I'm with the in the same camp as the three of you. I bet him so many times, and like, like you said, Matt, I think it would just be uh, paying what I've uh, what I've lost on him at this point. <laughs> but I do think I do think he's fascinating in the right. model, right? Because of what we consider. I'm just going to pull up the last 24 round one. Okay. Second in the field on approach, third in green to regulations, 123rd on par fives gained, you know, and then yeah. first in both proximity, 100, 125, and 125 to 150, 96th and around the green, and 103rd in three-putt avoidance. So it's like right. pick and choose, you know, pick and choose what I guess yeah. what you want to rely on more. I'm approaching it more like that same Victor Hovland uh, thinking, I guess, Matt, like, well, he's either going to get hot and I'm going to win or he's going to be a train wreck and probably miss the cut. Yeah. Since we talk about since we talk about the names that that did make our card a little bit later, I'll, I'll tell you some names that did constantly show up that did not make my card and so just I'll throw them out there for yeah. people to at least get like some additional research in if they want to go that direction. Doug Gim showed up several different times in several different versions of models that I ran so there was a lot of Doug Gim that was showing up Lanto Griffin showing up mm -hmm. like a bunch in different versions of the stuff that I ran so he's another guy now listen there's he's one of the short shots this week it's hard for me to talk anyone off look Seamus Power I think is a dude that is is probably you know a top five guy in this field maybe certainly a top 10 guy maybe in this field he was showing up a ton I just couldn't get there with the number that was was available on him just couldn't quite pull the trigger on stuff like that and and you know some of these kind of short course specialist guys that I would never bet like anywhere else other than these like tiny little short court, like a Kevin Kisner and like yeah. things like that. Right. Like, like those are also guys that were kind of in the top 20 ish in Where's several. Is Chaz Reeve <laughs> playing in this dang tournament? <laughs> Is that a guy I mean, short course specialist. Why didn't he pop anywhere? Is he not in so, the field? He's not in the field. So certainly we are going to, uh, to give our bets here in, in just a little bit, but Wes, we want to turn things over to you head around the world with Wes Reynolds here for the DP tour One Eighty. Well, where we're going is the Middle East because both the events, both the major events are in the Middle East. And I will start with the Asian Tours flagship event that is in Saudi Arabia, the Saudi International. So this is not technically a live event, but most of the guys in live are in this field. Also, some other guys, uh, Cameron Young, Lucas Herbert, Mito Pereira, Sebastian Munoz, who officially, I believe, was reported to sign with Liv today, Cameron Champ. So that will lead the speculation. DJ, two-time winner here. He's the favorite at 7-1. to one. Cameron Smith, 8-1. to one. Joaquin Neiman, 10-1. to one. Brooks Kepka actually won the live event on this course last October. He's at 16-1. to one. Patrick Reed, 20-1, to one, who picked up valuable world ranking points in Dubai, finishing runner-up to Rory McIlroy. So closing in on the top 50, Harold Varner actually did win this event, the Saudi International event last year. So, you know, three I made for interest here. Uh, I did try Cameron Young at 14-1. to 1. He can compete with top-end competitors. Plus, he's already played twice this year. A lot of these live guys have not played for like four months. So that's why I kind of skirted them a little bit. So Cameron Young, 14-1. to 1. Abraham Answer, 30-1. to 1. Missed the cut last week in Dubai, but had some off-season rust. 11th and 8th, respectively, on the two events on this course last year. That is called Royal Greens. It is uh, in uh, King Abdullah Economic City, otherwise known as Jeddah. So 
Answer at 30 to 1. Henrik Stenson, 40 to 1, was eighth last week in Dubai, 20th the week before in Abu Dhabi. So I uh, think he'll be less rusty than the others. And then uh, on the DP World Tour, we have the Ras Al Haima Championship in the United Arab Emirates. We close out the uh, three week swing in the Emirates, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and now RAK. So this was a first time event last year, 7,400 yard course on uh, the Alhamra Golf Club, par 72. Very similar, I think, a little bit to, to Abu Dhabi. You got to go low here, by the way, to win. Nikolai Hoygaard was the winner here, 24 under. And then they had an event, a separate event, on the same course the following week, which Ryan Fox won at 22 under. And that was a 60 to 1 on Fox, 35 to 1 on Nikolai Hoygaard. So I went a little bit down the board. There's not really a true favorite here. This normal guys, Rasmus Hoygaard, Ryan Fox, Adrian Moronk. Victor Perez, who hit on a couple weeks ago in Abu Dhabi, all around the same price. But where I went, I went Adrian Otegi, 35 to 1, who was third in this event last year. He is third so far in strokes gained approach. And we talk about approach on the PGA Tour. It actually matters in this event, too, because Hoygaard and Fox, who won on this course last year in the two separate events, were both second in the field on approach. So I think Otegi could go well. George could see a 45 to 1. He had a ninth here in one of the two events last year. Also won the Portugal Masters at Dom Pedro Victoria, which I think really correlates with this course. Another good approach guy. Pablo Lara Fabel, 66 to 1. Pablo always plays really well in the early months of the calendar year. Remember, he won twice before the end of April last year. So strong performer on correlated courses like Abu Dhabi and also where they have the Cutter Masters with a runner up, multiple top fives. And then an American, Johannes Veerman, 75 to 1. Eighth last week in Dubai against a much stronger field than he's going to compete against at Ross Alheima. And he finished 12th here last year. And then the German, Hurley Long, 80 to 1, played well in both events here last year. He was third and he was 18th. Six top tens on the DPWT last season, including at the Portugal Masters. Like I mentioned, Don Pedro Victoria is, I think, very much a correlated course to what they are going to see at Alhambra Golf Club in Ross Alheima. Guys, you can get the full breakdown of all of Wes's rest of world bets and breakdowns over on vcin.com. So be sure and head over there and take in all of his great work. When we come back after these quick messages, we're going to give you all of our thoughts on guys we like, guys we hate, guys we're fading. We'll give you our outrights, head-to-head, matchup bets, things like that, placement markets. And, of course, we'll talk a little one and done right after this. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back, Matt, Wes, and Kelly. Going to walk through all of our bets that actually did make our accounts here. Before we do, guys, I think we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but Guys were fading this week, and this isn't necessarily like I'm fading them from a matchup standpoint or anything like that. But Kelly, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm I'm fading the super top end of the board this week. And mainly it's just because again, it's just, you know, whether it's Fitzpatrick, who I like in a in a tournament that, you know, a little bit more of a grind, whether it's a a Hobland who I just prefer to get it, you know, a little bit longer of a number. I mean, 12 yeah. for Hovland with the variance in his game and stuff like whatever, you know, and for, for me, Mav McNeely, while yes. I, while I like him and while I like the, the, you know, the stuff that was showing up in the model for him, like this price has gotten out of control. Like everyone loves him so much this week. Everything is like down to 18 to one again over at DraftKings. So 
for me, the very top end of the board just kind of got ignored. Yeah, that was uh, same for me. And I don't know that. Uh, I mean, just look at McNeely's the one like I, I know recent form wise, at least where he's finished. He's been pretty he's been pretty good. But man, like 91st in, in approach last 24 rounds. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I couldn't get there on him. I know there's a lot of people that are all over him this week. Um, but yeah, I'm, I couldn't get there on him. And like you said, I, I think all those guys at the top, um, I, uh, I'm not going to be doing anything with them, but like you said, I, I don't really think I'm going to be rushing to target them in matchups either. Just, just because there's not, you know, I, w- I wish we had our own matchup builders out there, but there's just not that many matchups available with, you know, guys further down the port against them that, yeah, maybe I'd take a shot at with some bigger plus prices. I think Jordan, Jordan Spieth's the only guy I'm going to kind of give my, give some respect to and stay away from this week. But yeah, I, I agree with what you guys said about Fitzpatrick and then, and then, and then Hovland too. It's, it's, those are guys that just at this course, I, I have no interest in this week. Wes, is there, yeah, is there anybody that you just kind of like just just didn't have any interest in, even though it like even though you probably should, you almost feel like you should, but you didn't. I feel like I should with McNeely, but like mm. you said, I'm seeing 18 to one here, and people that follow this closely know that Maverick McNeely pretty much grew up at Pebble Beach. Mm. His father, Scott McNeely, yeah. longtime CEO of Sun Microsystems, uh, is a member here. Always plays in the pro am, so. This feels like, okay, where the hometown kid gets a win, but this is a guy that hasn't won on the PGA Tour before, certainly mm-hmm. has had a couple cracks at it. But at th- with some of these events, it's like at some point you just got to let a guy beat you. And I'm like, if he beats me at right. 18 to 1 or as low, yeah. I think it's at Boyd, he's at 16 to 1 right now. If he beats me at that price, I can live with it. Yeah, I- I'm with you guys. I just couldn't quite – get there with any of that and you know like i I, i'm willing to live with missing out on maverick mcneely at 18 to 1 i'll put it that like i i'm willing i'm willing to miss out on on his his first win with that as far as value on the board i really did i mean i think i just kind of settled in in the middle range and and really kind of dug in and, and found some stuff there i think there probably are some decent long shots as well that you could feel pretty comfortable in Wes. I mean, I don't know if you found a ton of value. It is a weak field. So we didn't get the type of numbers on a lot of these players that we typically get, but maybe that actually does present value because their win equity increases just a little bit because they're Mm -hmm. not going up against all of these superstars. Yeah. And, and basically when we get to our picks, how I formulated Mm -hmm. my card, I have one kind of short ish, not the, obviously mm-hmm. the main three Fitzpatrick, Hovland or Spieth, but I have one kind of shortish, one kind of, uh, in the middle. And then I, I have, a, I have, a, I think like uh, close to three, uh, actually two triple digit guys down the mm-hmm. board, because I think when you look at the profile of some of these guys, these are guys too, by the way, that have contended here before and have had success here before, you know, just looking mm-hmm. at the trends, uh, all of the last 13 winners have actually played two times here. All of the last 14 winners have had like a, a, a 16th or better here in one of their previous three starts. 11 of the last 14 had at least a top 10, I believe, from earlier in the season. But there was one trend that was kind of an outlier. 48 of the last 51 winners are Americans. And yet I have two international winners <laughs> on my card this week. I got that too. I got yeah. that trend too. I, yeah, I Kelly, the, was, there, was there any value you found at any like kind of portion or part or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so, so I guess, w- in, yeah, before we get to the outrights, I, mm. I just went longer odds on the outrights. But these, I think the mid-range, the mid-range guys, it's not, 
for me, it's not completely stay away because you're right, Matt. There's a couple guys that I did I, that did pop to me, and I think I, that I found interesting, and I either bet in other ways than outrights, mm-hmm. or I'm, or I am going to wait to get in on live. I know we discussed that a little bit earlier, but you know, yeah, like a Maverick McNeil, just use him as his example as we were we were talking talking about him. Okay, if you know he drops back to a 30, 35 to one range and is still kind of at least in it, you know, and on by day three or what, or day two or day three, then yeah, that might be an ad for me at this point. So I, I'm definitely saving a few bullets to, to hopefully hop in live on some of those guys in that mid range area that I, that I do think are, are quality plays. here, just not at that number. So let's hit up our our outright plays here. Wes, we'll start with you. Where are you and where are you at on all of your outrights? Yeah, the uh, short guy that I was talking about, and Mm -hmm. I don't like the number. I know he was mentioned earlier, but I did take a poke at Seamus Power at 22 Mm -hmm. to 1. Remember, he actually led by five shots after 36 holes here last year before he finished ninth. So he's got a little scar tissue. And this is another guy. I know it's early because this is later in the fall, but it's never too early to think about like the Ryder cup angle and the fact that Luke Donald, the captain of the team, the European team is in this field this week. You don't have a lot of European competition necessarily here. So it's a chance for Seamus power to really impress because there are going to be spots available at the bottom half of this team with so many of the older European players, the established guys now on the live tour. And I felt that it was, it was time for a change on, on that regard anyway, with the youth movement, but Seamus power really good on, coastal courses as evident by his win at Bermuda third at Mayakoba fifth at Sea Island across his last three starts of 2022 was third uh, also last year at Wiley fifth at the Corrales Punicana a few years ago sixth at Harbor Town another fourth and fifth at Sea Island so eight of his 15 top 10 finishes actually have been on coastal courses so power is the good fit here. Obviously, this is a crapshoot event. And then I liked how he played Nabu Dhabi a few weeks ago. Only finished 20th, but he was seventh in the field on approach and second tee to green. So if he can just, you know, get that putter working, I do think he can contend. Uh, A guy whose number I hate, but it wouldn't surprise me being that we've seen older players kind of come out of nowhere and win this event. Justin Rose, 35 to one, mm-hmm. another guy trying to impress for the Ryder cup because this is his last chance. And this is why he stayed and probably didn't take the overtures from live. This is probably his last chance to make that European team. He's trying to get in that top 50 currently 71st in the world golf ranking T 18 last week, got a top 20 home for me last week where he was 15th on approach. So Justin Rose, 35 to one, David Lipsky, I mentioned, 70 to one. He's never going to win on big boy golf courses because he's not a big hitter off the tee. He was 24th here last year. Number one in the field, by the way, for strokes gain putting was fourth at the Sony at Wiley top 10 last winter at Mayakoba. So good history on coastals. Uh, Bo Hosler speaking of another guy that did contend here last mm-hmm. year, 80 to one. He was actually right up there with Spieth and Hoagie before he settled for third. Missed the cut last week at Torrey in San Diego. But if you look at the round he played on the South course, he actually was very good off the tee, ranked seven for strokes gained off the tee, but was a horror show on the greens, which is really his bread and butter. If you look, whenever we run like around the green or scrambling or putting models, he's always up there. He's eight for strokes gained putting and for strokes gained short game over the last 36 rounds. Uh, Eric Von Royen, another international player, 90 to 1, really good at the Amex, gained 8.2 strokes from T to green, shot a Sunday 62, tied for the low round of the day, ended up finishing sixth. 
I think that this is a guy that could go well if the wind actually picks up. Von Royen from South Africa made his kind of his name, I guess, if you will, on the DP World Tour. So this is a guy that plays very well in the wind. So I think he can go well here. And then the two triple digit guys, Nate Lashley, 100 to 1, missed the cut two weeks ago at the Amex, but was seventh at the Sony, where he was fourth for GIR, seventh for scrambling, eighth around the green, fourth key to green, was fifth here in 2021. Another good coastal course player, won the Corrales Punta Cana, which was then on the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2017, has a couple top tens in Puerto Rico, another top five at the Corrales, so I think he could go well here. And then Troy Merritt, who I got at 135 to 1. Missed the cut here on his first five appearances, but ever since, 8th in 2018, 25th in 2020, 16th in 2021, 4th last year. Also another guy that has a tendency to show up on coastal courses. 3rd last November at Mayacoba down in Mexico. Uh, has, I think, three top 12s, including a third at the RBC Heritage in Harbortown. So when you're looking at kind of those correlated courses, uh, which I like to do on a week-to-week basis, obviously these three correlate with each other, but Sea Island, where they play the RSM, El Camillion, where they play down in Mayacobo, Wileye, of course, where they play the Sony Open, a little bit of Harbortown, where they play the RBC Heritage. Those are, I think, some correlated courses you can look at. Kelly, what about you? Where'd you end up with your outright ticket? Yeah, and there's a couple guys there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised just of how different we are, uh, Wes and I. There was a lot of those guys that just didn't really pop at all for me. But I will say, I mean, Lipsky was up there for me for sure. And in the longer odds, I don't think there's any problem uh, with him. And look, I think you guys are both right about Seamus Power. He's not a guy that I got there on, but I think he is. I mean, he might be even top five in this field. I, I think he's definitely top 10 in this field. So, if you, I mean, of the mid-range guys that kind of stuck out to me as far as their odds not being completely unfair, he was up there to me. I, I, just, I didn't end up firing on him. Um, only two outrights were me heading into the tournament. Russell Knox, I mentioned earlier, 80-1. to one. Um, And then Brendan Todd is the other guy I ended mm-hmm. up playing 80-1. <laughs> to one. He, he ended up top 10, and, I mean, every one of the models I ran – 18th in the field strokes game putting on polo over the last 36 rounds and and has a t16 last year here uh, i do think that i do think the tournament history is this is another one you got to look at a little bit more uh you know from where what these guys have done uh in the past at this course um we've seen the correlation kind of with with guys that have played here before doing well uh and that carrying over so that was something i factored in a little bit more this week so only two outrights for me heading into the tournament you know matt it's kind of but like you were talking about before some of the guys that that popped i ended up staying away from though Lipsky was one of those alex smalley was one of those those are two guys that both were up there in my models but I was able to find ways to talk myself off of them. Um, so we'll see. I'm gonna, those are the only two outrights I'm rolling with right now, but absolutely open to adding a couple of these guys live. Well, you you basically, I'm pulling it up as we speak because I have under considerations that I have on here yeah. that I was going to hit. Brendan Todd was one of the guys I have listed <laughs> under considerations, and I'm not missing out on Brendan Todd winning if you're going to be on Brendan Todd. So that will be added there to the go. card here. Whenever we get going. So here's the thing, guys. I, I'm not big on, you know, I don't know if I've ever bet someone to try to like repeat or go back to back or whatever. But uh, the shortest shot I have this week is Tom Hoagie at 25 to one. Here's the thing. I bet him last year and he won this thing. And I bet him because he's the best short iron wedge player there is in this field. And yeah. 
Nothing has changed from last year other than the fact that he's better than he was right. last year. His stats are actually better in the categories that I wanted in, in all of this. And so I just going back to the well, I mean, I mean, listen, I have to trust what I'm seeing here and trust what's going on. And, and so Hoagie at 25 to one was the guy that, you know, I was, again, I feel kind of dumb. I'm not the whole person that thinks like, Oh, well, you know, someone, someone won here before he's going to have to win here again. But every reason I liked him last year, he's just better at all the things this year. So uh, Hoagie at 25 to one. Yeah, he was yeah. top ten in every model I ran. I, I, I mean, I don't hate that at all. Even on the Poa heavy one, he was what twenty sixth in there. So, I like, I, I, yeah, I know it's a repeat, but I, I'm right there with you. I mean, yeah. hey, he's proven he can win here, right? I, I don't, I don't have a problem. So, uh, next is when I head into kind of like that fifty sixty ish terrain range, and that's where I'm going to live. I think for the next three picks. Thomas Dietrich, another guy that just, again, in every single, listen, every single version of every model I ran was just like inside the top 12. And if yeah. I'm getting 54 to one on a guy at that, I mean, listen, I, I tried to figure out a way to work him out of these models. Like I would, I would tweak things and do different little things to see like, okay, why is this lo loving him so incredibly much? And I couldn't get there. And so the guy was just there over and over and over and over again. And I had to go with Dietrich. The same thing here with these next two guys. I mean, we, you, we they both have been mentioned on the pod already. Ben Griffin, David Lipsky, both in the account, 60 to one and 62 to one on both of these guys. It's just, I cannot argue with the numbers. The stuff that I find important in this tournament these guys are just lighting it up in every single category. It's long-term success. It's short-term success. You start, you put in the weighted statistics. When I add the weighted statistics in, guys, Lipsky is third overall. Griffin is fourth overall. Hoagie is fifth overall in the model. You know, I mean, like, it's it's just, I can't argue with all this. By the way, Wes, yeah. the guy you mentioned a little bit earlier, this number, the sixth overall guy, Robbie Shelton, actually. Yes. Who, who, he was who, way of mine, too. Yep. Yeah. He was one of my and, last leave-offs. Yeah. So if you guys so, are both playing Lipsky, then I'm on Lipsky, too. I mean, uh, he's <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. I was and just then, finding reasons not to bet him earlier. So, I whatever, you two have talked me into it. Then the uh, the last guy, like I said, I'm going to add Brendan Todd when we get off here. But the the last guy, 250 to one guy, yeah. Cameron Percy. Oh yeah, and and I'm talking. I forgot my Cameron. listen. Let me tell you this. In my the only Cameron staying on the PGA tour. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, in my 50 round model, he was fourth overall. In my 36 round model, he was second overall. And in the 24-round model, he was second overall. Then I come over here to the weighted model in which he was 17th overall. And we're talking about a guy that's 250 to 1. There is no chance in the world I can pass on putting an outright into the account. And also, if listen, if I lived in a vicinity, if I lived in a district, if I lived in a state, if I lived in whatever in which I could put in like a top 20 bet on this guy, I would do that because you're going to get a great payout on that. We unfortunately don't have those options given to us here. Um, but I would certainly be looking to kind of add him to to like a top 20 type deal where, hey, look, he might not win the whole thing, but you're going to feel pretty good about getting a ticket in on him in a top 20 if he were able to cash because you're still going to get like six, seven, eight, nine-ish something to one. Yeah, I'm looking right here, six and a half to one on a top 20 finish over at DraftKings for him. So again, uh, a guy that I was able to 
to kind of get in there. Um, Wes, you just mentioned one of your first guys that didn't make it. I do at least want us to put in some of these other guys that were just not quite on the card for me. Like I said, I mentioned Brendan Todd, who now is actually going to make the card since Kelly did go ahead and put something in on him. Uh, Matias Schwab was a guy that uh, just didn't quite make the card for me, but was right up there. I just couldn't quite make it work with what I wanted to put into this tournament from a from a monetary outlay standpoint. But I did want to throw the name out there. If people were doing their research and and he was popping for them. Certainly a guy that I think is uh, maybe worthy of of a play. So I did at least want to put that out there. Kelly, any guys that just didn't quite make your card? No, just the guys we kind of brought up, uh, you know, Smalley, Lipsky, but I mean, Lipsky, I'm going to add at this point. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. I, <laughs> there was no, Dietrich was the only other guy I was considering. I did, you know, I played him in Putnam two weeks ago. Um, and Dietrich, man, he, he's a guy that I, I just wish he had a little bit more, uh, you know, experience here. There was a couple concerns mm-hmm. that popped, popped up to me, but at those longer odds, it's really hard for me to argue because I mean, model wise, he was up there again. I mean, last 36, he's 11th in my model. Um, you know, he's he's up there in the models for me. So uh, I, I didn't end up playing him this week, and I think I'm going to stay away. Uh, but that is he, – he's a guy I played two weeks ago at a long bomb number. Um, and, yeah, I, I like the – you know, I'm perfectly okay with that sure. bet again this week. Wes, do you have any head-to-heads? Do you have any placement market bets this week? Uh, I will have placement markets on mm-hmm. all of these guys, which you yes. can get all of our picks, of course, at uh, vcin.com at picks at a glance. We'll have all that good stuff in there. I did play uh, three matchups. I've kind of been averaging about three matchups mm-hmm. because I felt like that was the weakest part of my golf handicapping, so I'm being a little bit more deliberate, kind of limiting them. So, uh, so far, so good. Seven and two on the year, went three and oh last week. Uh, I did play Dietrich uh, plus 115 over Andrew Putnam. Uh, just, you know, Dietrich is one of those guys that was the last leave off for me. Mm-hmm. And this guy, they call him like the European Finau because he always is like a runner up on these DP right. world tour events, but he's going to win. I think at some point in this calendar year somewhere, Seamus power minus power minus one thirteen over Tom Hoagie. And then uh Bo Hosler minus minus one twenty five over Kurt Kitayama, which is kind of weird because Kitayama is a top 50 player in the world, but He can be a little bit erratic, and I think he's actually better on longer courses than he is on, like, shorter courses like this. Uh, This is one of those ones, and I did bet Hosler on an outright, so I don't necessarily correlate my matchups with my outrights or my Mm -hmm. placement markets, but did so this one. Uh, I only have one head-to-head in the account right now, and it's the same one you have. I have Dietrich over Putnam in the account as well. Considered Dietrich over McCarthy as well, just the number didn't quite... Uh, wasn't quite as, as good for me on on that one. So I do have Dietrich and, over Putnam in there, but that's the only head-to-head I've got in there. What about you, Kelly? I'm just sitting here laughing because I, I don't know. Apparently, I like Andrew Putnam a lot more than you two this week. I, I And I like Dietrich, so that was a matchup I stayed away from. My only matchup play, though, is Putnam over Denny McCarthy. Uh, so I'm on uh, <laughs> That's the matchup I ended up playing. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if we, we spin this forward to, uh, to finishing uh, placement markets, it was... Top 10s on Putnam and Brandon Todd just took longer shot ones there. I, I didn't end up going outright on Putnam. He might might be a guy I had in tournament. Um, but, man, I, I, bet, I mean, I'm getting a little a little, a little, little scared off, that even more off this tournament than I was already because he's probably my favorite guy heading into it from the odds of where he's at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
just for placement market bets for me, uh, three guys that just, again, I couldn't ignore where they were showing up, but I just can't pull the trigger on them from a outright standpoint. So I just put in top tens. Uh, Webb Simpson, man, look, short course, yeah. like whatever it is, was all over everything. I have him as a top 10. I have Joseph Bramlett, and I also have Matt Kuchar, three guys that I just couldn't, I couldn't find myself pulling the trigger on from an outright standpoint, but, you know, uh, put in some top 10s on them and see so kind of what happens was, there. Webb was number one in my, in my you know, heavy mm-hmm. POA run um, right. <laughs> model, right? But he's one of those, he's one of those guys It's just, you know, recent form wise, you know, the, you, we always got to think of po- true POA courses like Webb brought up. You know, they got, these guys only play so many, right, in a year. So I, I don't know. I'm just like, he, he was number one there, Matt, as far as the stat yeah. model went. And then it, but then you just go back and look at recent history, and I'm like, geez, okay, that's a lot of MCs <laughs> next to what he's done recently. I'm like, but, you know, we know how good of a good of a player he has been in the past. So yeah, I, I like that one. I, I, I considered it as well. All right, let's close things out with some one-and-done talk. We know there are some massive tournaments out there that people are in. They're certainly going to want to know what a strategy might be, what an opinion might be on all of this. Kelly, I mean, from my standpoint, I would not be burning one of the top three guys this week. I mean, it's not one of the elevated tournaments. It's not whatever. I Like we said, I like Fitzpatrick in a different type of course and tournament as it is anyway. I think Spieth can be used at a couple of different places down the line. And certainly uh, Hovland, I would rather hold on to just in case those irons aren't all that hot or something for me this week. And so from a one and done standpoint, what, where were you looking at? Like kind of starting, what are a couple of names that you would consider? Well, first we've got to get this one going for the three of us. Cause then, yeah. then we, then we'll pay a lot more attention to it. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I agree with what you said with all those guys at the top, for sure. I, I wouldn't use them here. Actually, the guy, the guy that I had circled for, you know, if I had to play one this week is a guy you played is Tom Hoke. I, yeah. I, I you know, I think what he's done here before and he's, He's a guy that's had it feels like it feels like over the past couple of years has been very much of a roller coaster ride as far as far as his form where he's either looking really good at times right you know mm-hmm. there's been times where he looks like he goes on runs where he's looked like a top I don't know 20 30 guy in the world and then there's times where he's looked like absolute trash so I, I think you kind of you picked up on a spot where look he's still high up there in my models. We know what he that he can win here. He did it. He just did it last year. Mm. So he's probably a guy that I would look at first. Um, I mean, look, Andrew Putnam. I'm just going to go there. I'm already on him. I can't imagine there a scenario where I'm going to be really really upset with myself that I burned Andrew Putnam later in the year. So um, yeah, he'd probably be a guy I'd consider here as well. But I think I do think it's those kind those kind of guys in that kind of range. Yeah, it's for I'm I'm you bitch. I'm playing Hoagie this week. I'm in all those tournaments. I'm playing Hoagie this week. I think even from a game theory standpoint, it makes sense because people are going to go. I'm not playing the guy that won last year. Like you know, I like right. like I mean, yeah. like I, I I don't think he'll be heavily owned because I think a lot of people are going to be like, no no no, I'm not going to play the guy that won last year. Like I'll play somebody else or something. So, uh, I, I'm playing Hoagie this this plus two. Like when am I going to feel confident about playing him again anyway? I mean, like this just yeah. of course fits his skill set so well. It's a weak field, so. Um, if he's going to shine, I think that's it. Wes, any thoughts on a, on a one and done play this week? Yeah, we're going to be all in the same price range. Mm-hmm. Seamus power for me. Yep. Yep. I think that's where, 
where we're looking at, guys. Again, everything we do, really do appreciate you guys. Head over to VEASAN.com and taking a look at the uh, the written work over there that Wes and, and everybody, honestly, for all of the different sports are doing. So please go and do that. And if you want to hit that little pause button real quick, go down and hit subscribe, hit rate, and review. Give us a little five-star. Let us know what if you want us to, to work on some stuff and everything like that in the comments. Let us know because we will certainly work that into the podcast somewhere along the way as well. For Wes, for Kelly, I'm Matt. Good luck this week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.